Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the east end of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. And we are recording. Hey, everyone. I heard some birds in my yard this morning. Hey, spring. I was like, is that a car alarm? What is that sound? <laughs> I literally opened the door. I'm like, I, I think there's something wrong. And then I realized it was like, you know, and then as soon as I opened the door, the bird stopped. So maybe it wasn't all in my head. It's entirely possible. <laughs> so um, I don't know. I feel like we're getting there. Like we'll have a couple nice days and all of a sudden it's like 12, you know? Yeah. March is always uh, iffy on the, on the temperature and the weather and everything. Always iffy. Going to be in the fifties next week though. I think that'll, once we feel that, that'll, it'll feel like spring. I'll take that. We're going to have to be outside covering games and that, so yeah. it's all time. <laughs> nice segue. There we go. That's perfect. We're kind of back to the sports talk again this week. A couple of weeks ago, we had had a podcast talking about how winter sports that were deemed high risk, some schools were going ahead with them. Sag Harbor was one that said no. And then within a very short order, the season for basketball and wrestling largely fell apart um, due to some issues. So we're going to kind of check in again to see how that's going, but also talk about fall sports, which it looks like the Sac Harbor School District is committed to going forward with. So before we launch into that, so on the controls this week is Bill Sutton. Hey, Bill, how you doing? Hey, Annette, I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And we also have Catherine G. Manu, otherwise known as Georgie, sitting in with us. Hey, Georgie. Hey, Annette. I'm Catherine Manu, sometimes known as Georgie, and I am the co-publisher of the Express News Group. And my name's Annette Hinkle, and I'm the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. And then also we have two other of our reporters, writers, editors here with us today, um, one of which is Desiree Keegan. I never say your name right. Desiree. Desiree Keegan. Desiree Keegan. Um, Desiree, yeah. Hi, Desiree. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Hey, yeah, I'm Desiree. I'm a reporter, mainly doing education and sports, and um, I'm also the subscriptions manager. There she goes, double duty. Uh, she's a two-sport kind of gal. <laughs> um, and then we also have with us Drew Budd, and Drew is our <laughs> sports editor, and um, Drew has, has uh, been on hiatus for a few months, but he's back now, and we're very happy to have him here. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Drew Budd. I'm the uh, sports editor. I uh, just came back last week. Uh, it's great to be back and into the fall, and doing my first podcast for you guys. It's great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, right? Yeah. Drew, I think you wrote the main story in the sports section about the um, fall sports coming up. And I wondered if you wanted to sort of just walk us through kind of what the issues have been and what some of the decisions have been made, I guess, especially with Pearson High School in Sac Harbor. Well, I'll talk about Pearson because I wrote that story. Desiree actually wrote the story on the spectators coming back. But um, just to go off of what, Pearson, uh, Pearson decided to go pretty much all in on uh, fall sports. They were, like you had mentioned earlier, they didn't, um, they didn't play in basketball at all. Uh, and they didn't send their wrestlers to East Hampton, who they share a wrestling program with. Can I just interrupt for a second? And, and we keep saying fall sports, and we're talking about fall sports that are going to begin in um, March or April. So can we just clarify what we mean by fall sports? Yeah, sure. So fall sports were originally supposed to be played 
at the beginning of the onset of the school year. And obviously, so that's September, October, and those got pushed off because of the pandemic. And so what they did was they started with the winter season, which we just had, which Annette, you had mentioned about uh, basketball and wrestling and even indoor track was outdoors. So there were some things moved around because of the pandemic, they tried to do it as safely as possible. Um, and some things worked out actually wrestling, believe it or not, was probably one of the safer sports. And Kalen Riley wrote a story about that in our Western edition about how the West Hampton Beach wrestling team didn't have one COVID case. And um, they didn't have any matches canceled or postponed. And uh, that actually worked out really well. Where on the other hand, we had a lot of basketball teams have games postponed or canceled. East Hampton boys basketball had their final three games canceled because of COVID tracing basically with opposing teams. That kind of deterred them from making the playoffs because they just couldn't play those games out. Um, Southampton boys basketball, they were supposed to have their last game of the season canceled because they had a COVID case on their team. So uh, actually wrestling was, believe it or not, which was, it's kind of crazy, was uh, the safer sport. Does it almost seem kind of unfair about which basketball teams are going to make the county playoffs just because of the ones that stayed healthier got more games in? Is that kind of how it's playing out? In, in some cases, that, that is how it played out. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but it's, you know, it's the world we're in right now. Yeah, I actually um, was speaking with um, Kathy Masterson this morning. She's the West Hampton Beach Athletic Director. She's also the Fall Boys uh, boys Volleyball Sports Chair. And she had let me know that there were 46 teams in Suffolk County that actually didn't get a chance to play their full winter season. Wow. Uh, just to kind of put that into perspective a little bit. Yeah, there was 46 different teams across um, boys swimming, wrestling, boys and girls basketball that didn't get a chance to play all of their games. So Drew, now that now we're going into the fall sports, technically in spring, what are the sports that we're looking at seeing coming online at the high school? Yeah. So the, the fall season is actually one of the busiest seasons. Uh, we have, uh, you know, football is the big one, but there's boys and girls volleyball. Uh, there is uh, boys golf. Uh, there's girls tennis. Um Country is another one, and boys and girls soccer. Is there a track season too? That's cross country. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So most of those are outdoors except for volleyball, and I know there was some, some concern about volleyball being indoors. Yeah, and volleyball is indoors, and a lot of schools, including uh, you know Pearson, they were worried about kind of the aspect of having an indoor sport uh, right on the onset of the, of the pandemic here, but. Uh, they kind of decided to roll with it. And, but, you know, like uh, Pearson athletic director, Eric Bramoff said there, you know, he and uh, Jeff Nichols, the superintendent there at Sag Harbor are really kind of keeping an eye on that situation. And, uh, you know, Eric Bramoff was very um, adamant about making sure that all the, all of his uh, players are wearing masks and staying six feet apart and every, and they're actually going to, as far as to making sure the other opposing teams are as well. Like they won't play if those other players are not wearing masks, as opposed to, I think, what we saw somewhat in some of these winter sports where one team might not be wearing their masks and the other team was then say, well, then we're not going to wear ours either, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So he, he made it a point to say uh, that he has no qualms pulling his team off the court if, if he feels like the other team is not um, abiding by the rules. And he said if, if his team has to forfeit, so be it. 
it's not a big deal to him. He'll do it with no problem. So what are some of the other rules about like transportation and um, rehearsals or anything else that's, um, that has been put into place with the Pearson squad and uh, teams in particular to sort of mitigate any COVID risk? Well, um, I don't know. Desiree might be able to answer that a little bit better than me just because I, I was out of it. Last I heard, they can only have like 22 kids on the bus. That's about 50% capacity. I don't know, Desiree, if that, that sounds about right or... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and with the um, fall season that's taking place in the spring... Um, so the listeners should note Desiree did air quotes around the world. I always forget to say that. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's basically the same exact um, rules that they had for the winter season in general. Um, Teams need to be tested. Um, I think it's twice a week. Yeah, um, twice a week. And they have to fill out their daily attestations. They have to um, take temperature checks every day, coaches, players, Um, And then obviously throwing fans into the mix now, um, it's going to be kind of the same sorts of things uh, for them as well. Not testing, but um, temperature checks at the door, having to wear masks, um, you know, maintaining social distancing, things like that. Yeah. So let's talk more about the spectators and what you found out about that. Is there, um, are they, are they limiting it to a percentage of say the gym, if you're talking about volleyball or, and can they limit outdoor spectators if it's sort of a large field area where it's kind of hard to do crowd control. Yeah. So there's a lot of different things at play with that. Um, First and foremost, section 11 um, rolled out their guidelines, what they're basically allowing. That's kind of like the blanket for everyone, but then every school district has the opportunity to be stricter if they want, add in more protocols if they want, or ban um, fans altogether. So the way that Section 11, which is the governing body of athletics in Suffolk County, um, what they had said was that there is allowed to be two spectators per student athlete. And this is for outdoor and indoor, but the only difference is that with indoor, it's only for the home team. There are no away team fans allowed at any of the home games for that school. Um, and with outdoor, again, it's two per, per, um, per student athlete, home and away. But again, districts are allowed to, you know, limit that if they want. And what we have found as of now is that most school districts are choosing to not have any visiting team spectators, either indoor or outdoor. I know that West Hampton Beach had already made the decision that they're only going to allow home fans, both indoor and outdoor, for instance. So, so do they have to hire like extra security staff to make sure that um, other players, fans aren't showing up? Like, I wonder how that's going to work as far as administering that. Yeah, that's definitely going to have to be part of it in some way, having someone at the door. I know that um, a lot of schools have decided to make some sort of like a guest list in a way where the student athletes tell them who's going to be coming for them. And then that way they have a list at the door of the names of the people that are going to be attending. That's smart. I had actually spoke to Kathy Masterson, again, who's the athletic director at West Hampton Beach yesterday. And she talked about their process and how basically they're giving two IDs out per athlete. Mm. Um, and it's for their parents. You know, we, we kind of throw out the, the name spectators, the word spectators. Spectators could be anybody. Uh, but West Hampton Beach is going forward and making sure that it's just the athlete's parents who are coming. And they have to show those IDs before they come into every game. 
And if they don't have those, they could very well be their parents at these trying to get into these games. They don't have those IDs. They're not coming in. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And um, so the other thing is also like, you know, Kathy said she just, she feels bad because they're, especially West Hampton Beach, so um, sports oriented. Uh, they have fans that have been coming there who have, they're either alumni or people who just love coming down and watch football games. They're going to have to put them, they're going to have to tell them they can come in. Yeah. So they're really playing football, huh? They're going to, they're going to do football. Yeah. 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 So yeah. what do you think is the sport that they're, that they're most concerned about as far? I mean, it seems like football would be a, a worry just because of the sheer numbers of players and the, the way that the contact was made. Is that also the sport that they're most concerned about? Do you think? I feel, and, and obviously Desiree could speak to this too. I, I feel football is definitely one of them, but I think a lot of people are worried about volleyball too, just because of the fact that it's indoors. Yeah. I was going to say the same exact thing. Yeah. Interesting. I know that, um, you know, the other indoor sports badminton, there's no teams on the East end that compete in, the, in badminton, but um, there's also uh, girls swimming. And I know that that hasn't really been an issue because everyone's in their own designated lane. So I think that for that indoor sport, it's not as much of a concern, but definitely volleyball. We, we've seen what happened with basketball compared to wrestling, which again, we may have thought might've been um, a lot more dangerous, but um, yeah, I think volleyball probably is, is definitely the biggest concern, especially being that they don't wear any sort of protective gear either. They're not wearing masks like a football player or a mouth guard or something like that, that might prevent you know, some of the saliva in the air or something like that. So interesting, it seems like, like Pearson was the most cautious of the schools when it came to uh, the winter sports and not allowing their students to participate. I just wonder, um, now Pearson is, is signed on to do the, the fall sports in spring. Are there any other schools that, any schools that have decided not to go ahead with the fall sports in spring model and are sitting this one out? Or is everybody all in now that we know? Yeah, as, as far as I know, uh, everybody is, is playing all the sports this fall in the spring. Uh, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a school decide not to play volleyball indoors or, you know, one case kind of happens and they just decide to fold the season up. I mean, this is all new territory for everybody. Sag Harbor kind of reversed course, right? I mean, they, they didn't want to do the, you know, the, the high risk um, winter sports, but now they feel that because COVID numbers are down uh, countywide and across the state and people are getting vaccinated and stuff that that they can that, that it's a little safer and, and they can take the risk correct yeah yeah that's right that's exactly what uh eric ramoff uh the sag harbor the pearson athletic director said that uh mr nichols the superintendent so that the numbers dropped um i so you know that had a lot to do with their decision to come back to the high-risk sports and I think um, they saw the way the winter season went. And even though, you know, we talked about it at the beginning here about how there were some schools that um, had to cancel their seasons due to cases. It, it sounds like a lot, but I think the majority of the people involved in sports during the winter were kind of pleased with, with, with the way things went. And so I think uh, Pearson saw that and said, all right, well, you know, at least give these these kids, these kids an opportunity to, to get on the field again, that happens. Yeah, I mean, it's such a different landscape than it was when the decisions about playing winter sports were made. I mean, we were 
still in these peak numbers, right. uh, you know, infection rates coming off the holidays, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just a totally different um, world in a lot of ways than, you know, where we are now, where so many more people are vaccinated and we're continuing to see our numbers decline. Right. I was going to say, I think uh, the vaccine coming out um, really kind of helped things a lot too, at least put some people at ease a little bit about, about the whole virus. And I think that had a lot to do with them coming back. I think what's different though for um, this season too, which there were some winter teams as well, but there are a lot of these teams that um, combine, these schools that combine to make these teams. So I think that that will be interesting too, how that will kind of play a part. You know, we have football teams, volleyball teams, swimming teams that are a lot of schools combined to make these teams. So it will kind of be interesting to see how that plays out too, just because I know that the East Hampton boys swim team, which is made up of students from Pearson, from Bridgehampton, and even from Montauk, um, had a couple of different issues where there were certain kids that couldn't make it because of, you know, some instance at their particular school. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out also. So what are the kids saying about this? Have you talked to a lot of kids about about their desire to play sports and how are they feeling about um, about being able to go forward? I imagine a lot of them are very excited about the idea. Yeah, I spoke to a couple of the Pearson athletes and it seemed like um, they just wanted the opportunity to play. Um, it seemed like they were a little um, upset that they didn't even get the opportunity to play basketball. Um, and uh, so now they're happy that they're actually getting the, the opportunity to, to get on the court or the field. And they all know that, especially the girls volleyball players, I, I spoke to one and she said that they all understand that, you know, everybody's watching them. So they have to do everything correct. They have to sanitize when they can, wear their masks um, and really do the right thing outside of school too, because that's a, a large part of it. You know, it's also interesting because, you know, you have seniors who weren't able to play in the fall, but they're probably very excited that they'll get to play now before they graduate. I'm also curious about how the change in the schedule may have affected college scholarships and their ability to get onto the college teams. Yeah, that's that's been a really big thing. Um, I know that with all of these rules, I mean, with no spectators, especially in the winter, there was no chance for any colleges to come out and even look. So they were relying a lot on any sort of footage that, you know, the coaches or assistant coaches would record during games. Um, One other thing is there's this national federation of state high school associations um, network. It's called NFHS and um, you can actually um, access it through a bunch of different, like an app, there's a website and things like that. Um, you could download it on a lot of different devices. And a lot of schools I've been told have been using that as well to be able to watch the games as they're being live streamed. They're actually recorded and saved on there too for coaches to go back and look. So that's kind of helped in that process for a lot of people, but I'm sure that it definitely hasn't made it any easier, especially when kids don't have that interaction with future coaches for them coming down and, you know, even just saying, Hey, and putting a face to the name. So and I don't know when the colleges make their decision, but I imagine it's, you know, around Very soon. the end of the beginning of the year. Uh, yeah. What, what, what's becoming an issue now uh, with the colleges and we spoke about scholarships is that, a lot of the, the senior athletes at these colleges were given an extra year of eligibility. And so what's that, what's that doing now is creating a backlog of these freshmen who were at least waiting to get into these schools and play on these teams. 
now they're kind of being told, well, we have these seniors that are still sticking around. We don't have a spot for you on the team. And so now they really, there are some athletes uh, who are in a situation where they, they can't necessarily start college yet. I mean, they could, but they're not going to play sports. So they, they either have the option of going through a junior college or prep school and hopefully getting on there and then playing there until they, their spot opens back up at school that they were originally supposed to. Yeah, and then the kids who were the freshmen this past year that weren't able to, you know, that maybe got onto college teams and weren't able to play at all. Yeah. Right. yeah. And there's actually um, the NCAA had extended eligibility for sophomores and juniors also. So this is something that's going to continue to roll over and be an issue for a while. I don't know exactly when there's going to be some sort of a cutoff potentially as to when, you know, these, you know, kids eligibilities will, you know, stop, you know. Right. So I'm actually working on a story right now about an eligibility issue with specifically spring freshman athletes. And, uh, you know, apparently the NCAA hasn't given them the extra year of eligibility, even though they are still affected by everything that's going on right now. So there's uh, petitions flying around from parents, from coach, well, maybe not so much from coaches, but there's petitions flying around and trying to get specifically fresh spring freshman athletes that extra year of eligibility. So we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, because they were the only ones last year who didn't get a chance to play any season at all. It, it was totally canceled. Right, dating back to their high their, the end of their high school careers, so they didn't get to play yeah. their, their final senior season. And they're as of right now, they're not getting that extra year of eligibility at their college. So. Yeah, so that's sad for them because they were the ones probably most affected by anyone. They didn't get a chance to have that kind of bookend to their senior uh, you know, to their high school careers. And yeah. now they don't know where their future stands in college. Yeah. And I think the NCAA, sorry, I think the NCAA is probably asking itself these questions like, well, when do we have a cutoff? But, you know, I think those spring freshman athletes are probably the cutoff. They probably, yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah. Those kids got, those kids got chipped last year for sure. All around. Yep. Without a doubt. The fall, you know, even the fall, uh, fall athletes got their full season in obviously and then the winter athletes um they got like i would say like 85 percent of their season in before uh the state tournaments got shut down so i mean they got affected you know a lot of the teams that were going upstate definitely were affected but they did get to play the majority of their season, whereas the spring kids did not get to play, get to play one game Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel, be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com So are there, I was curious with the winter sports, are there any um, East End teams who have made the, um, the playoffs and are going to compete beyond this region? So the, the farthest they could go this year, uh, because there were no state, there were no county or uh, state tournaments, uh, the farthest they can go were, was a conference uh, tournament. And uh, in our particular localized region, we didn't have any teams make it. Um, uh, and I was mentioning before East Hampton boys basketball, they had the possibility of maybe clinching a spot to get into that playoff, but because they had those three games canceled, they didn't have the opportunity to do that. So 
But we did have, uh, you know, Nick Thomas's and Rich's uh, boys basketball team uh, win their conference. They won conference four uh, pretty handily. So uh, good for good for them and good for him. Awesome. This is be fun. I guess, and I guess the cheerleaders are not going to be anywhere to be found. Like you would usually see at a, a football game or anything like that, right? Well, the cheerleaders, from what I understand, they are coming back this fall along, you know, with the football team. And uh, I, I expect to see them out there as well. Um, oh, good. There actually were some at uh, basketball games, too. I know Bridgehampton had okay. cheerleaders out there during one of the games. So that's good to know. Because I know that that's a thing, too. You know, like, uh, you know, the uh, a lot of the, the parents of kids who you know, maybe aren't traditional sports athletes, but they are involved in. Um, the band or the cheerleading or the theater, you know, those kids are really chomping at the bit to get back in the action as well. So I'm glad to hear that that's happening. Very good. Yeah. And I think it helps the teams too, just to kind of liven up the gym a little bit or the field, um, especially when they couldn't have fans to at least have a little bit more noise and a little bit more action. Yeah. And it gives it a little bit of a more normal feel to have like the cheerleaders back in the gym with the teams. Like that's, you know, they would normally have that. And so the fact that they get to be there is, you know, that's great to have that to be a little, little bit of back to normal to there. And I guess we'll have the sports reporters there as well. So that's good news. Oh yeah, we'll be there. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Well, this was fun. I was really glad, really glad we were able to, you know, take a little time and bring it up to speed. So um, we don't have any idea when the kids are going to maybe get vaccinated. Is that going to be something that they're even talking about? I'm not even sure if the vaccine is approved for anyone under 18 yet. Yeah, there hasn't been a vaccine that's been approved for children or teens at this point, Um, you know, and I I don't know, I don't even think a timeline exists yet for when they expect that. Well, I heard, I heard a passing report, I possibly by September, which kind of makes sense because that's when the kids go back to school. So maybe September, we'll see. I don't know. That would be great. (laughs) (laughs) And one thing I want to just quickly add to the, um, sports conversation too with this season just as I was putting together some other notes things that I wanted to make sure I mentioned um the um section 11 executive director Tom Combs had announced that as of right now 49 officials have declined to officiate this season so that's going to play a really big part in how these games operate as well because I know that right now they're very limited with um, volleyball. So I know that they're a little bit worried as to whether or not those games are going to go on as planned, because obviously you can't have any of these games happen without officials. So if there are no refs or something, that's going to be a really big deal. Yeah. That's pretty interesting because I know in in certain sports, um, maybe not the sports this fall, except for volleyball, like you said, but I know a lot of the sports were kind of low on officials to begin with. So that's a huge aspect. And and it's, it's been hard for them too. obviously a lot of them unfortunately are older and don't want to put themselves or their family or their spouses or something at risk. So um, I think that that's been really hard on them to kind of make that decision to choose between a paycheck or their health. So Um, can I ask um, guys is, is, does the season open this weekend? I feel like I heard Gavin say that he was going to be potentially covering a football game. It starts Monday, yep. Yeah, the season starts Monday, and it goes through, I believe, the middle of April for most of them. Yeah, everyone starts a little bit different. I think right now to start, it's um, boys soccer, I believe, and boys and girls volleyball that starts on Monday, and then it kind of like staggered opening after that for the next couple of weeks for the rest of the sports. 
And then like that also included later on, um, will, will the uh, spring sports like baseball and softball be included as well? Yeah, they'll no, be- That'll happen toward yeah. the end of April. Yeah, and they'll actually go, they'll go until the end of the school year. So they're gonna do a spring season in the spring. Yeah, they will. It'll actually be nice weather for the spring season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely even warmer than usual because I remember the beginning of the spring uh, spring season. Sometimes I'm still shivering out there on the field. So. Yeah, personally, I feel the end of the spring season makes up for the, the rough beginning, but I know there are some reporters out there who made the spring season. When I started reporting on the East End, I started as a sports reporter and it's no like way. a rite of passage, freezing. Drew and I have been together actually outside huh? at some pouring rain football <laughs> oh my god the west ham beach football game stands that out. one was torture yeah, torture. yeah. i totally ruined those shoes too that was something more than just coffee in that furnace that you're bringing. <laughs> i don't know about that but yeah it, maybe after the game yeah <laughs> umbrellas flipping inside out crazy windy that was oh yeah uh, <laughs> that one i'll remember that one uh-huh. but that's why you guys are passionate about about what you do because you love sports so much that you'll go stand in the rain um, to cover a football game. So that, we, we appreciate that. That was a playoff game. Maybe if it was a playoff game, I would have left early. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. All right, team. Good luck to all the athletes out there listening. We, we really hope you have a successful and a safe season. Definitely. Have fun as much as you can. Yep. Enjoy it. Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and sagharborexpress.com Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.